you know, ding, 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 ding. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know. Number. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. Okay, we got a, a big, busy, busy show this week. Uh, we've got a whole lot to talk about. Mm. And so we should really get to it. Um, first on the agenda is Matt and I have to geek out a bit about seeing Sparks this past week. So, <laughs> a- Andrew, I'm, I need to ask a favor of you. I'm going to go get a coffee or something. I don't drink coffee, but... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, the, the favor I'm asking of you is uh, to hold us to no more than five minutes of geeking. Okay, when do you want me to start the clock? Now. Okay, that's one minute and 15 seconds in. Go. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, Sparks! Sparks were so awesome! <sighs> <laughs> Seriously, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, well, you got to see them twice, right? No, no, I didn't see oh. the, 2012, the 2002 show. No, no, I thought, you, I thought you were seeing both Philly and New York, I meant. No, I couldn't get down there, so I ended up giving my tickets to someone else. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I was given a pair of tickets, but I couldn't make it, so. Okay, yeah, because, yeah, I, I got to see them once as well, so. Uh, but um, I, I, I unfortunately did not get to meet them. I don't know if you did or not, but. No, uh, I got out of there pretty quick because I was, like, tired and wanted to go home. Yeah, but, um, like, apparently, though, like, they did a uh, in-store, or, well, uh, a signing in-store, in not actually playing in-store in Portland. And my friend Ant, who uh, you may remember from the Collector Show, actually got me um, the picture disc signed. So that that's pretty awesome. Nice. The, the show was packed. I couldn't even get to the merch table. So, oh, it's weird because in Seattle it was surprisingly not that packed, but it but it, they made up for it in enthusiasm. Like it was it was kind of weird because basically, like I, I think I've told you about how when I saw Craftwork how it was surprisingly not sold out. It was about like this, like it was a smaller venue for sparks, but it was like about proportionally the same size of crowd versus venue, which again, really surprised me because, you know, back then, dude, it's fucking craft work. And this time, dude, it's fucking sparks. <laughs> Some people, but, you know? Yeah. But the crowd was just like, it was the diehard sparks fans. So, I mean, it, it probably, Possibly was partly because it was a Monday, but dude, it's fucking Sparks. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had some diehards. Uh, one dude, uh, actually, he was there. He brought a vintage shirt, and he, uh, you know, chatting before the show because you know you got that hour before the when between when the doors open and when the show starts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got in there. I grabbed. I got a beer, drank it. Got took the bottle back to the bar, then stayed at my spot uh, for the rest of the uh, pre-show. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that circus music <laughs> yeah 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 the the kind of quasi uh like it, it kind of reminded me of the uh residence uh composer series of Sousa, where it's like yeah. the really synthy synth heavy Sousa, and i think i think i heard some wagner and stuff like that in there yeah in any case i don't want to think about that circus music <laughs> uh in any case he had some printouts of slides he took when sparks played the bitter at the bottom line in like 1972 Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And there was one big asshole guy who was just being a complete... He 
it was so hardcore of a Sparks fan that he was being a jerk during the entire performance. Oh, well, there's one of those at every show. Yeah. Was he the drunk guy that I'd, I've heard about? Because apparently he was even worse in Philly. It may well be. So it's, but like, and did you see that um, uh, Isla was apparently standing next uh, to uh, Tony Visconti? No, I know he was there, but I wouldn't know Tony Visconti if he punched me in the face. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't, I didn't really know what he looked like until Sparks posted a, a photo of him a few days ago. But yeah, like just hanging out with them. But yeah, I guess that and uh, Sal uh, Maida, who played bass with them on um, a record or two, was also there. Cool. And also also right by Isla. Nice. So she apparently is good at picking out like famous people. This will be the last, this will, we'll wrap this up after this, but Sim, uh, I got to the venue at like five, then I had to like run back and get my ticket. But, and I got there, this uh, mother and daughter who were big Sparks fans were freaking out because they just ran into Sean Lennon outside the venue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any famous people stories at mine other than like, uh, the uh, when we were standing in line, the guy like maybe one or two in front of me looked a lot like Brian Eno, but I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Brian Eno because I tried to listen and I, I didn't really hear what he was talking about just because I didn't want to really over you know uh, you know overhear his conversation because I'm not a jerk, but he didn't have a British accent and also what the fuck would Eno be doing in Seattle anyway? Ten seconds. Okay, no, we're good. <sighs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> Sparks. Okay, thanks for holding us to that, Andrew. You're welcome. Yes. That was um, beautifully timed. <laughs> <clears throat> so, all right, uh, let let's get right to the picks because we got a, a big thing to talk about too. Yeah, we <laughs> might we might go a little over our hour today. Just feel completely unprepared. I have no idea what is in store. Oh goodness. Um, well, there's a link to the article I want to talk about on the crush. Oh, oh right, yeah. right, 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 right. Okay, there we go. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> Uh, Matt, why don't you take the lead for the pick this week? I think it's your turn anyway. Okie dokie. Um, it's kind of funny that we, um, I, uh, mentioned Isla, even though our listeners probably have no idea who Isla is, but, um, I, uh, Isla is my, uh, ex-girlfriend and also a very, very good friend of mine. That, and she's also, uh, half of the Sparks project on Kitty Stasis and one third of the Sparks project or the residence project on Kitty Stasis with me and Rich on that one. Um, and she got me into the album that I picked, which is Harry Nilsson's Son of Schmilson, which is actually probably my favorite uh, Nilsson record, although they're all pretty good. This is the uh, follow-up to his mega smash hit record, um, Nilsson's Schmilson, which had uh, the hits uh, Without You and Coconut on there. Um, basically, the label one to strike while the iron was hot and basically wanted, you know, Nilsson Schmilson part two, but Nilsson didn't really go for that. And the album is um, a, a bit looser and a, and more uh, a bit more funny. Uh, like uh, the, basically the the first thing that uh, when I had first heard it, like I I was kind of digging on uh, the first track, which is Take Fifty Four, and then when he's saying, "I sang my balls off for you, baby," I just cracked up because you you know. You don't expect a line like that on a, you know, what's kind more or less a, a 70s pop record. Um, anyway, though, the the track that I chose, though, is one of the uh, serious pretty ones, which is, I don't know, maybe like about half and half on Son of Schmilson, uh, which is Spaceman. So uh, let's hear a little bit of a Spaceman now. I love this record. I, I listen to it pretty much over and over and over and... 
Uh, I mean, pretty much, you know, you can do that with most of uh, Nilsson's records. Um, some of his later ones could get a little meandery. Like, um, uh, for for example, there's uh, a track on, I want to say, on Sandman. Uh, actually, yes, let me look it up. Hold on. Yeah, it's off a of Sandman uh, called The Flying Saucer Song. Which is actually a he even did it for the uh, album with John Lennon, uh, Pussycats, but it didn't get released on that record. So he actually did it again, and it's just this long seven minute meandering story about this drunk guy seeing a UFO, and it's just like, no, Harry, no. <laughs> but, but you know, it's there, even though with, with some of those, that's kind of stuff later in the later in his career, he still was doing. Really great stuff. He was a magnificent songwriter. Like he wrote uh, One by uh, Three Dog Night. You know, ding, 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 ding. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know. Number. <laughs> Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. And the cool thing with that is it's actually the beat on that song is based off of uh, the a uh, busy signal. He he was calling somebody, got got a got the busy signal, and just started you know kind of you know listening to it and kind of started you know singing what became one. <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I I love this record. Um, Nelson had a amazing voice. Uh, even after he blew it out uh, during the Pussycat sessions, the the Lennon one, uh, it's you know I, people are like, oh no, he completely ruined his voice. Oh, he's terrible now. Well, not now because he's dead. So I guess he is he's he's much worse at singing now than he ever was. But um, honestly, while it isn't as as sweet and as pure and as amazing as as it was. You know, even even you know, post voice blowout, it wasn't terrible. You know, it, it's a it's a step down, but it's not the end of the world like people seem to make it out to be. But um, anyway, though, um, I just love this album. Um, I love I love Harry Nelson. Um, there's a really great documentary called uh, um, "Who's Harry Nelson? Why Is Everybody Talking About Him?" Uh, that you should all check out. But uh, what did you guys think of the record? Because I think was, I I think I finally chose something that Rich hadn't heard yet. So <laughs> yeah, you've done that a couple of times, but uh, <laughs> now this I was surprised. My only real familiarity with Harry Nilsson was uh, the song "Everybody's Talking." Yeah, which is it's funny because he was a, an amazing songwriter, but that's one of the ones that he did not write. Same with "Without You," which is a Bad Finger cover. Hmm. Okay, I mean the reason I have I have everything "Everybody's Talking" because a friend of mine I used to work with. Uh, Asked a favor and just basically track down a bunch of songs that he loved from when he was uh, in his you know teens and twenties and stuff, and I, you know, hooked him up with that. That was one of them. Uh, anyway, so yeah, listening to a full album, it's definitely. I don't know if this is the great starting point. I remember there's a uh, AV Club article out there on how to get into Harry Nilsson, mm-hmm. and I don't think this was what they suggested. I think they might have just they might have had suggested Nilsson Schmilson. That's probably what they suggest, yeah. Because I mean, that is like a really phenomenal album. But I don't know. This is actually my starting, as I as I kind of alluded to, and I I I really like the mix of the the humor in this one. Yeah. No, I definitely have no problem with it. Uh, I liked it. In, I know I've heard Spaceman somewhere before. 
So it was like, a minor hit, so... Yeah, I just couldn't tell you where, so... I'm, I'm gonna have to make it a point to finally start really getting into them. Uh, I might go back and try listen to the whole of Aerial Ballet, which might have mm. been the starting point. I'll find that AV Club article and stick it in the show notes. Cool. <clears throat> hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. I, I was not familiar with Harry Nelson, but I... Um, instantly recognized the song Remember from uh, the great romantic comedy You've Got Mail featuring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan directed by Nora Ephron. Uh, so that kind of snuck up, me, up on me by surprise. And I like um, Space Man was really good. Like, like Rich, I feel like I've heard it somewhere before. Um, I'm not familiar with Everybody's Talking. Oh, uh, uh, from uh, Midnight Cowboy. Mm, the movie. Still not familiar. <laughs> oh, okay. um, say Midnight Cowboy. It's good. Gotcha. Uh the thing that struck me about this album was that it seemed pretty diverse. Like you listen to take 54 and you know, it's kind of a groovy sort of seventies pop tune. And then it go, it went right into remember. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then I don't know if it was the third track or the fourth track, but one of the, like the next track was like, seemed very country esque. Oh, uh, joy. Joy. Yeah. yeah. So it just seemed to um, kind of draw from a lot of diverse influences, which I kind of appreciated. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It didn't like blow me away or anything, but uh, I like I really enjoy the song Spaceman. I've um, played it a few times. I listened to the whole album on the way home from work on Friday, and um, Spaceman is definitely one of the ones that jumped out at me the most. Yeah, I think there were there were a few that I almost picked. Like I mean, I, I ended up going with Spaceman because that's one of my favorites from the record. But I also almost picked uh, You're Breaking My Heart mm-hmm. with the uh, you know You're Breaking My Heart, tearing it apart. So fuck you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that listening to that. Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I really liked it because, like, as he kind of pointed out, I mean, that's sort of the, you know, the the real emotion, you know, like he all he, he there's an interview with him where he's like, you know, well, it wouldn't make sense if it was, you know, you're breaking my heart, tearing it apart. Darn it. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that that's so watered down from the emotion that you're actually feeling where, you know, fuck you. It really is, you know what you might want to say to someone who is breaking your heart and tearing it apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also funny too. I mean, you gotta, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like, uh, in, in the Nelson documentary, there's a, a story where, uh, they're all at, uh, Harry's funeral and, uh, there's, uh, George Harrison is there cause he was big fans, uh, big friends with all of the Beatles and like, like he, like Ringo was his best friend, and Ringo actually will not talk about Harry anymore, be just because he is so devastated by Harry's death. But um, there's a thing where it's sort of like everyone's kind of sad, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, George starts singing kind of quietly, but so people can, you know, can kind of still hear. You're breaking my heart, tearing it apart. So fuck you. Just you know, as sort of an amusing way of dealing with the grief and everyone ended up singing along so it's i I like that story i think it's kind of a cool way cool way of dealing with grief with a uh kind of a smile on your face even you know through the tears and all Mm. important stuff Mm. so yeah i definitely have to get check more into him yeah and i i really do recommend the documentary i mean that's uh um, it's it's out on DVD and there's like hella bonus features on it too. And, but I mean that might be a, a a pretty good you know crash course in Nilsson's history as well to kind of 
and there's like lots of live music and and stuff like that. But but Nilsson's just amazing. Nice. So I think we should move on. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to feel like I'm rushing everyone, but I'm rushing everyone because we got to squeeze this into an hour ish. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All right. Uh, mind if I take the next one? Hit it. All right. My pick this week is the new album by. Uh, legendary synth pop pioneers orchestral maneuvers in the dark or better known perhaps as OMD because nobody knows how to spell maneuvers uh, people barely know how to spell orchestral <laughs> maneuvers Manu- with that, that that wonderful British spelling with all the extra U's maneuvers <laughs> yes uh, in, any, in any case it's uh, English Electric and it's their second album since reforming with their original lineup, and I love the hell out of it. Um, in fact, I just wrote a review about it for Kitty Sneezes. Woo! Yep. Which went up today, and so that'll be in the show notes. Because the show isn't really about how I feel about the records, it's about how you guys feel about the records. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's beautiful. This is... the the, the, the Big song on this is Metroland, which is their first ever seven and a half minute long epic song. And it's it's pretty epic, I'd say. Here's here's a little of that. You're up endless. <laughs> and yeah, if if you're familiar with Kraftwerk, you'll notice that there is a strong influence of uh Kraftwerk in there. Um particularly that song, which borrows very heavily from Europe Endless, uh the title the lead off track on Trans Europe Express. And if there's any band that can get away with that kind of stuff, it's OMD, because the reason they became a synth-pop band is they saw Kraftwerk play in concert. Uh, this was actually, they talked about this in the documentary Synth Britannia, and the there are two shows that night. Uh, Wings was playing the big venue, and Kraftwerk was playing the little venue, and OMD happened to go to see, the, what would become OMD at that point, they were a punk band called The Id, and they came to see Kraftwerk, and they're like, they came to the stage after the show and said, you guys are the future of music. We're throwing away our guitars and buying synthesizers. The rest is history. Bold. Yeah. And Carl Bartos, the former percussionist for Kraftwerk, uh, worked with the band on, on this record a little bit. Um, the song Kissing the Machine is actually a re-recording, like a cover of the song Andy McCluskey and Carl Bartos wrote together for Carl's solo album. Uh, I think it's uh, Electric, or at least the project was called Electric. I, I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So... Uh, I love it, and it's good to know that the uh, old masters can still teach the kids some uh, some new tricks. Mm-hmm. You guys take it. <laughs> I thought it was good. I listened to this one on the way to work on Friday, and um, you know, I'm not. I don't have the the vocabulary to articulate why I enjoy this. I have to say that Metroland definitely was my favorite track. The rest of it, listening to it for the first time in one sitting, kind of blended together. Um. Uh, not in a bad way, but um, it is what it is, I suppose. And um, I was really surprised because I was listening to it on the way to work and I had neglected to look at the year that it was the year that the album came out before I um, started listening to it. So I was convinced that it had to be something from the 80s. And I was shocked um, just the other day to see that it was um, from 2013 just because it has that sort of vibe. At least it does to a, a non educated synth pop listener um, I, I can hear that too actually yeah, yeah. you're spot on really the only that came out before this is a little more contemporary sounding uh history of modern um and i'm actually kind of glad that they went back to their more 
kind of simpler vintage sound because I think that just it suits the material better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it sounds really good. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm not a not the synth pop connoisseur that you guys are, so I don't really have the the words to articulate uh, why I enjoyed this one over other ones. But I thought this was a good one, so I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Okay, I I I quite liked it too. I I'm not um, up on OMD like I. I, they're they're one of those bands that I'm aware of, and I know like you know the the hits and that kind of thing. But I this is like the first time I've ever actually really sat down with an OMD album, and I I like I, although I can kind of see where um, Andrew is coming from about it kind of blending in. But there's some that I I really liked, like uh, Metroland, of course, was a really great song, and you know it's when when it comes to like ripping off craft work, I'm sort of like you know there's only you know you know, what, eight or 10 Kraftwerk albums. So, you know, it, it, you know, obviously they're not, you know, they're not using the style enough. So if, if other people want to come in and, and fill, fill that void, I, I'm basically fine with it just because, you know, I think we need more Kraftwerk in our, in our world. So if Kraftwerk themselves aren't up to the task, you know, let, let's, I'm fine with outsourcing it. Um, but yeah, I, I I dug this, and I kind of liked um, the one. Um, what, what I I don't remember which track it is. I I want to see maybe Atomic Ranch about the uh, the robot wife. The, yeah, that's Atomic where, Ranch. Yeah, I thought that one was cool. Where it's just sort of the driving, repeated phrases that are more or less spoken, even you know. And it's uh, um, you probably remember the the exact lyrics better than I do. But the uh, thing about like the uh, I want, I want my perfect life. I want my robot wife. Mm-hmm. On and on and on. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, cool. There's it. actually there's a music video for that that I should link to, which is kind of oh, which is really neat. cool. Neat. Because yeah, I, I that was and it's kind of it might be weird that that's one of the ones that you know popped out at me, but I I, I really quite dug that one. Yeah, it's a. I was very pleased by those because that's sort of the the tracks like those little tracks like Atomic Ranch and Decimal and Please Remain Seated. Uh, they're, they're sort of like callbacks to uh, their album they put out called um, Dazzle Ships. Mm. And if you're not familiar with the term, Dazzle Ships were the ships in World War One that had these really freaky modernist camouflage on them. Like, look it up. And you'll go like, whoa, these were really used in war. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, on Dazzle Ships, they had these like, they had regular songs, but between like all the songs were these weird like sort of avant-garde-ish audio collage tracks of uh, shortwave radio transmissions, including I think some number stations. Yay! Yeah, and uh, noise and weird synthy stuff. And at the time it came out, everyone's like, "What the hell is all this shit?" <laughs> and you know, in the intervening thirty years, it's been like, "Oh, this shit's awesome." <laughs> so people are going back to Dazzle Ships and like, wow, we were so wrong about this record. When when did that one come out? 81, 82. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check right now while I've uh, got it in my head. Dazzle Ships. Dazzle Camouflage. 1983. Okay. Wow. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah that, that's the kind of thing that really stuck out all- to me on this record i mean and maybe it is like somewhat a uh an outgrowth of what um andrew was talking about about things kind of blending together a little bit because those ones very much stick out in a good way but i don't know like there 
I think they I think that they stand on their own too. I think that they are, you know, legitimately cool tracks, I guess, or le- legitimately cool sounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they're songs, but they're kind of kind of not too. But they're whatever they are, they're cool. Is what I'm what that that that's the point I'm trying to get across here. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad I'm glad you guys dug it. And if either of you want to check out more OMD, I'd say start at their first album and uh, work forward from there. Word. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, you guys need to hear Architecture and Morality, which is considered to be their best record. Mm, and okay. it's got and it's got two songs about Joan of Arc on it. <laughs> they could have released it as a, as a double A side single. I think they may have. Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the record label actually interfered because they wanted to call both songs Joan of Arc, and the record label was like, you can't have two songs called Joan of Arc. <laughs> Fine. We'll call the other one Made of Arlene's, which is the other name for Joan of Arc. So now, but since they put it on CD, it's labeled Joan of Arc, parentheses, Made of Arlene's. Cool. Okay. that's We got to talk about Kurt Vile, don't we? Um, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not the Brechtian Kurt Vile, but the new guy. That is over my head. <laughs> oh, uh, that's where he gets his um, stage name. Ah, it's, okay. Uh, Kurt Vile um, uh, worked a lot with uh, Berthold Brecht, uh, did stuff like Mandalay Song, um, Three Penny Opera, stuff like that. Except that that Kurt Vile spelled it the German way, which is W-E-I-L-L. Uh, Got it. Uh, yes, Wikipedia agrees with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so anyway, my uh, pick this week is the new record by Kurt Vile, and it is the easily typoed Waken on a Pretty Days. Um, and this is a record that I had never heard of Kurt Vile before, and I knew virtually nothing about him, but uh, the message board that I've frequented for over a decade, everybody on there was freaking out about the new Kurt Vile record, and I was like, who the hell is Kurt Vile? And um, so I got it on their recommendation and it is just wonderful. Um, the track that I pick, everything is really good and I can't find a, I can't find, um, was all talk, which is the third track that I wanted to play for you guys on, um, the YouTube, but every track is really good. So I think we're going to play was all talk anyway. And I have a link to never run away, which I believe is the first single, uh, in the show notes. So we'll play uh, track. Number three was all talk by Kurt Vile. Now, Guys, I'm gonna hum that one. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so this is really I'm struggling to it, and this is my pick, and I'm struggling to articulate. So um, bear with me, but it's just a really sort of artistic and spacious and lush, pretty record with great songwriting and really consistently strong tracks throughout, in my opinion. Um, it has, it's bookended by these two long tracks, Waken uh, on a Pretty Day and Gold Tone, which are both about 10 minutes long. Um, but even on those 10-minute tracks, and it's not like it's a very um, sort of energetic record. It's kind of lazy, which is, and I think that's kind of why I'm, I've really been enjoying it lately, because it sort of fits that spring kind of feeling. Uh, that sort of lazy, warm spring day. But at the same time, it's not lazy in a boring way. Like even those, those long tracks are very, they don't, they don't drag on and on in my opinion. They're, they're very listenable despite being um, how long uh, they are. And the shorter tracks are uh, equally delightful. 
Um, Was All Talk is just, I think it's probably my favorite track just because I, I really like the groove and the rhythm of it. Um, and I don't know. I don't really have anything anything to say about Kurt Vile because I know still know nothing about him. I don't think I've even read the Wikipedia article. Uh, but this record you know, is definitely most likely going to be in my top uh, top five records for the year. So if you guys could uh, give me some feedback, maybe I'll have figure out more to say. But it's uh, it's really good. Uh, I want to let Matt take the lead on this, uh, but don't panic, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I kind of discovered Kurt Vile with uh, the previous record, uh, uh, Smoke... What is it? Uh, smoke rings uh, on my halo. I think it's called smoke ring for my halo. I think for my halo. Think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I uh, I like the album so much. I forgot its name. <laughs> but no, I I honestly really really dug that. And I I like I actually like the last time I was at the record store, I like picked up the Kurt Vile, the new Kurt Vile, and I was like, ah, okay, I'm already getting a lot of stuff. I'm going to put it back and ended up that you picked it anyway. So, yay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. And the, the thing that I love about his stuff is that like songwriting wise and like vocal delivery and that kind of thing is that he's really much in a singer songwritery kind of vein, mm-hmm. except that he layers all of his stuff with like, really cool noise kind of th- sounds yeah. and it, it really, really works because it's like, and, and I mean, the songs themselves are strong. So, I mean, if they were like straight up singer songwriter, you know, dude with an acoustic guitar kind of thing, it, they would still work, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a crutch. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it does make it sound really, really more, much more interesting. And it, it, feels more like you can actually kind of live in the songs mm-hmm. rather than just listen to them. You can really get lost in there. And it's like, it's really, really well produced. Um, I, I don't know if he produces his own stuff. I think he does, but. Hmm. Producer John and yellow, a G N E L L O. Oh, okay. And, and Kurt Vile in the violators. Okay. But, but yeah, it's, it really, really works, and I, I just love that combination of, you know, strong songwriting and you know, half straightforward, half weird, mm-hmm. and, and it, it it really comes together really well, and it just really works. Yeah. So I I I really dug this one too. Yeah, that's a much better way of saying what I was trying to articulate. That the <laughs> the tracks are very layered, and they do. I think the. They do feel like you can live in these tracks. That's I think that's a great way to put it. There's yeah. a lot of depth to them, despite being sort of having that singer songwriter feel. Yeah, I mean, like the the noise at because I mean it, they are quite noisy, mm. and I and I mean that in more of a noise music way, not just like you know we're gonna clang some pots together, <laughs> which of course is kind of the basis of a lot of noise music records too. But <laughs> yeah. but but I mean there it's it adds a grit or a harshness to it, but it's also kind of tempered with kind of soft, a softness with kind of a more ambient kind of noises as well. It's, I don't know. It's like, like you said, it's really hard to articulate what, what exactly he's doing, but it's awesome what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing, even if we don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm listening to snowflakes are dancing right now and I can totally see what you're saying because there's, there's the guitar riff 
um, that you would, you know, the sort of the typical singer songwriter guitar riff. But there's also like underneath it, there's this sort of swirling. I don't even know how to describe it, but there's this like swirling noise that just adds a whole lot of depth and um, really fills out the track and makes it much more than just a, you know, just an acoustic guitar song. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I, I dug it too, though. I mean, I want to say uh, this is a, there's a great 50 minute album inside this album, inside this like 70 minute album. Mm. I just think, I mean, that's the first thing I, I have to say about it. It's just, it's a great, there's a great 50 minute, 50 minute album stuck inside of a 70 minute album. It could stand a little bit of editing. But uh, I was very curious to check this out, especially when I first saw the cover art, because uh, apparently Kurt Vile is a Philadelphian, you know, my hometown. And as soon as I saw the cover, I was like, holy shit, I know exactly where that is. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know exactly where that is, but it's definitely in West Philadelphia along the L. And I know that I must have rode, ridden by that building uh, five days a week for the better part of a year. So, like, whoa. I mean, you can actually see the Philadelphia, the L train in the on the right side uh, of the cover art, like yeah. uh, one of the L stations. I, I want to say that. My guess is that it's the 52nd Street L station, but it could be 46th Street. Actually, no, that's a, that's actually a train. That's not a station. But the point is, they, my God, I that that's my that's that was my train. That was my commute every morning and every afternoon. Cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the uh, the cover art. That's there was this series of murals that were painted on row houses in West Philadelphia called "If You Lived Here, You'd Be Home by Now." Or something like that, and I'll put to put a link out in the show notes. And I think they got the same guy to do the cover art there. Uh, but yeah, this is it's good. Stuff. I might have to check out some more of his stuff. But this is the first I've ever heard of him, and I'm from Philly, so I mean, I never had my finger right on the pulse of the music scene in town. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing with a big city—you can't keep your fingers in everything. Yeah, if I I was telling someone if if I kept on top of uh, the music scenes I cared about in New York, I'd be going out every night and I'd have no money. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think you can even do that in like Seattle. Even just you know, well, Seattle's I, famous for music scenes. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're a much smaller city too than you know. We're like, you know, Seattle. I think is about the size of a borough of New York. You know, in mm-hmm. well, so, Philly. So yeah, <laughs> I think it is. It is a definitely a long record. Um, but you know, I've, I've it must be springtime because it's springtime or something. But I've been listening to a lot of new music too, and this is one of those records that I've um, really adore from from start to finish, as opposed to just picking and choosing. Oh, this track's pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's I find it to be very uh, a very solid contribution to 2013 in music. Definitely. I mean, let me re- re- clarify my statement about it being another 50 minute al- a 50-minute album, strapped mm-hmm. inside a 70-minute album. I don't think you should take any tracks out. Yeah. Just edit down some of the longer ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe. Like, it's the like Waking on a Pretty Day and Gold Tone are nine, nine and a half minutes and ten and a half minutes, respectively. And, like, I can't tell you, and I've listened to this album quite a few times up to this point and I can't still can't really like remember like why is the song 10 minutes it kind of it almost like it the time sort of just passes without you realizing it like I don't know like okay yeah there's this part in the beginning and then it goes to the next part and then it goes to the chorus and it just uh it kind of all melds together into this this longer these longer compositions so I don't know 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Man, we still got a whole topic to talk about here. Oh, baby. <laughs> and if, if this were, if we had a sponsor, this would be where we take a sponsor break. Mm-hmm. Crash on Radio is not brought to you by anything. <laughs> Crash on Radio is brought to you by food. Eat food. I totally Don't stole die. From, <laughs> I totally stole that from Ernie Kovacs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a serious thing to talk about. Um, if any of you went l- listened to S1E1, the original premiere pilot episode of Crush on Radio. Back when the show was good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Back when we had 50,000 picks and we all had to listen to them in a week. <laughs> well, two picks. That was ambitious. It, yeah, it, it was. But my other pick that episode was Grimes and her album uh, Visions, which... And if you listen to our year uh, 2012 in review episode, you'll know, you'll remember we talked about her then as well. Um, she posted a thing on her Tumblr. I don't know, a, a post. Yeah, she has a Tumblr. And it got me thinking because there's some serious shit in this. Uh, let me read uh, a tiny bit of that for you. Um, I don't want my words to be taken out of context. I don't want to be infantilized because I refuse to be sexualized. I don't want to be molested at shows or on the street by people who perceive me as an object that exists for their personal satisfaction. I don't want to live in a world where I'm going to have to start employing bodyguards because this kind of behavior is so commonplace and accepted, and I'm pissed that when I express concern over my own safety, it's often ignored until people see firsthand what happens, and then they apologize for not taking me seriously after the fact. I'm tired of being considered vapid for liking pop music or caring about fashion. I'm tired of creeps on message board discussing whether or not they'd fuck me. Um, yeah, that, that's the excerpt there. And it really, if, if you care about music, if you care about your, the artists you, who make your music, and if you care even just a tiny bit about, you know, treating people nicely and regardless of who they are, uh, you know, you, you need to read this. So I've been bouncing this one around in my head and I'm like, wow, there's some heavy shit going down here. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. did you read the uh, meta filter thread on this one? I posted in it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I'd forgotten that you actually posted in that. But but yeah, I, and I, I think even in even in that that meta filter thread, which I'll throw a link to in the show notes, um, there was some really creepy shit going on it with with some people who were, you know, kind of doing this weird paternalistic bullshit, you know, and I mean, even like the third comment here. I'll, I'll read it. This is from a curious artificer. Good for her. The world needs waitresses and baris, uh, baristas too, which that just, that the point that, that, you missed it. Exactly. That's sort of like, Oh yeah, of course. You know, you know, you, 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 you can, you can, you know, being, being abused and actually, you know, afraid of your, you know, physical harm coming to you, not alone, not along, uh, no, not even, for, you know, forgetting about the whole thing of the creepiness of being thought of as just a sex object. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that all is part and parcel with being, you know, a creative person, you know, you, you should just go and sling food because that's apparently a terrible job too that people aren't worth of which is also bullshit it's so much it's so many layers of bullshit in that in that those two sentences it's like it's like this whole dismissal of both women 
and the service industry and, you know, the bullshit that women go through. And it's just like, wow, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we kind of sprung this on you kind of like late, Andrew, so I don't know how. No, I read it. it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I forgot mean, that we you had intended on talking about it on the show. That's all. I, I only mm. intended to talk about it on the show after I read it and it came out like Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I really hope we didn't like knock you by surprise on no, that's th- okay. that, that we're doing a very special episode. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. What what's that NBC special? What was the the thing with like the weird rotating special? Oh, CBS. CBS. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that's actually from uh 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 the Hawaii Five O sessions. That drum that drum riff. Oh wow. Yeah, just a little bit of like a little bit of lightness before we go back into this like heavy ass topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I I I have some friends who are professional musicians, and one of them, it, and you have friends that are women. Yeah, one and th- 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 those overlap. Um, <laughs> so, and yeah, that's. I'm not surprised by some of the claims she's making, but this is the first I've heard a professional musician in the modern age come out and like say all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frightening. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like the thing is like, I mean, honestly, like I, I never realized the, the whole thing about, you know, needing bodyguards uh, and needing the security to actually do things. I mean, like, like I, she, she even talks about, you know, and, or, and people on me were kind of talking about, you know, people just kind of, working their way backstage and it's kind of funny because like i didn't really realize people really did that because it's something that's never crossed my mind to to do Mm -hmm. you know it's like you know the only time i've gone backstage at a big show is when i got lucky enough to meet the performer and chat with them and they invited me yeah i've only been backstage when i got to interview shona knife but again that was that was set up prior that was not me wandering in with a camp with my friend jeremiah and a camera that, yeah. you know that was you know a thing mm-hmm. you know I, I go to some small shows where you get to like grab talk to the performers after they set out where you know they're when they're sitting up and taking down their own equipment you can like you know say oh, i love your stuff shake shake their hand it, yeah exactly i mean Buy I, much I, from them maybe but yeah i mean I, there there's I've, i'm not saying that i haven't talked with you know, people I've seen just, but again, in those kind of situations where they're running the mer- their own merch table or setting up, tearing down, you know, they're, they're still out on stage mm-hmm. or they're, they're out with the public. Right? Like the idea of going back there just seems kind of weird and wrong to me. Mm-hmm. And just, and the bit about the message boards, I've seen this uh, on, yeah, I, I, I I've mentioned this on the show before. I like to go and look at the 410 music board because you can sometimes find out cool stuff there. That's that's where I heard about Kurt Vile, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, typically... I've seen this more recently. Like, when I first started going on there, this happened less, far less often, but you'd see just pictures of female musicians. Uh, and there's three in particular. Grimes, uh, Alice Glass from uh, Crystal Castles, mm-hmm. and uh, Annie Clark, who better known as St. Vincent. And the topic of discussion around them is almost universally how attractive they are. And one thing that drove me through the 
through the roof was apparently Annie Clark uh, dyed her hair blonde and people like fail you know she's no longer attractive I'm not gonna listen to her music and like what what I didn't know her I didn't know that she played her hair played the guitar with her hair (laughs) yeah that's nonsensical yeah I I mean like it's kind of funny because like I sometimes like you know feel bad for actually even like thinking of you know say you know musicians that I like are attractive like it's like sort of like kind of funny that I'm like I, I mean, I, I think, like, Charlotte Gainsbourg is, like, really talented, and I, I love her records, and I also have, I, I even feel bad about just, like, looking at the book and going, oh, she's pretty, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, just because it seems like that is so antithetical to what she's about, you know, it's not that, you know, it's like she's not putting out records so you can look at her, her pictures, she's looking, putting out records because, you know, she has things to say, and, you know, she, you know, she she's making art here, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, it just bugs bugs the hell out of me when when artists are are reduced to fuckability, and mm-hmm. and it's funny because I mean, again, you never see this with dudes, you never like you know really hear about you know how David Byrne is is really sexy because I think he is honestly, but I mean. You know, you you would not see a, a, a you know a David Byrne fuck thread, where you'd see a, a Saint Vincent fuck thread. Right, and it, at the risk of being that guy, I hang around with I've hang around with 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 more than a few uh, few gay guys, and they don't even have conversations like that. About oh guy, yeah, about I mean, guy musicians. So like, I would fuck him, but I also really love his music. And they'll talk about the music and how fuckable the dude is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like even even then, it's like there's. They're an artist first. They're a they're a a, a fuck toy second, <laughs> or possibly third. Or third, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it's down on the list. It's not, it's not number one. Like, I mean, if you know, when David Byrne stopped dyeing his hair, I don't think people were like, "Oh well, fuck him." You know, he's old now. <laughs> you know, and personally, or, at the risk of uh, ruining the conversation, I think he looks better with gray hair. Well, the thing is, is he, I mean, he looks basically the same. It's just that his hair color changed yeah he, i mean he's it, aged really well <laughs> it's one of those like once you hit max level you stop leveling yeah yeah <laughs> so so yes yeah, so instead of objectifying women let's objectify david byrne <laughs> <laughs> show title <laughs> but but i mean that's that's the point though is i mean like even with that you know it's david byrne as an artist yeah. and where where grimes apparently is you know, Grimes is a hot chick who happens to make music or something, whatever. <laughs> or or St. Vincent or um, what's her name? Uh, Alice Glass. Alice Glass. Thank you. I, I like Crystal Classels, but I just spaced on her name. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's or and I mean, you even get that with, you know, like pop pop singers, too. And I mean, I know I, I'm guilty of this even like when we were talking about like Katy Perry I was like sort of you know I, I honestly think that she is kind of presented more as a sex object than an artist yeah which is kind of fucked up I mean like I, like I say I mean I, I I can't stand her music I think I think she can't sing but it's kind of weird that she's basically presented more as a pair of breasts than an artist honestly you know mm. I mean, look at look at the coverage of her. I mean, it's all about you know. Oh, she wore this tight Elmo shirt. Oh, she 
has broke the dress code at the Grammys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's you know, and yeah, I mean even even to that that effect, it just seems really kind of kind of skeevy, and it's just and again, you you don't really get that with like uh like I honestly I um <clears throat> I can't really think of I guess Justin Bieber maybe where but I mean. He he's he's allegedly attractive, <laughs> but you know. But again, you never really hear that much about how hot or not Bieber is. You know, even among you know, it's more about oh, he sings really well again, allegedly, or 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 whatever. It's he 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 like Katy Perry is reduced to a pair of tits. Justin Bieber's never reduced to just a cock. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, another thing too is I think there's a sort of ridiculous. Um, I put a post on Sans Point not to toot my own horn again, mm-hmm. but uh, about how we're, we're probably going to be seeing more of this because you know now to be you can become a successful musician, you can become a successful performer by cutting out the middleman, just interacting directly with these fans. And mm-hmm. there's going to be as that barrier lowers, there's going to be some people who are going to be trying to push and lower that barrier even further, and just really get. I mean. We're, we, the stalker phenomenon is nothing new, but now it's it's like a less intense version of that of just like just general fan creepiness because this person is there and accessible. And let's face it, it's going to be the female artists who are going to have to put up with more of that by just the general nature of how things work. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah. bad. Yeah, I and it's it's kind of funny because like uh, as as we've talked about a few times on this show, like I don't like Grimes's music. But like I, I even kind of wanted to buy her albums in solidarity and just not listen to them, you know, because I mean she really is, you know, speaking the truth here. I mean, and it's bullshit that she has to put up with this shit, you know. I, I mean, it's that might not be the most eloquent way of putting it, but it's kind of true. I mean, this, this is bullshit. <laughs> she's a human being first, an artist. Well, she's a human being and an artist first. Now that's a tie. And that's what you should, that's what we need to focus on. And that's yeah. the, you, the uh, person we're complaining about, the type of person that we're addressing this to, need to th- need to tr- view her first. Mm. Yeah, not not any of the not you two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the 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 royal you, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> the collective you. <laughs> it's yeah, and and again, I I don't know if we're even really talking to any of our listeners because I. I don't know. I like to think that we get a higher type of listener, mainly that it's probably mostly our friends. So, <laughs> yeah, and we don't, we wouldn't hang around with those kind of people. But yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty much, you know, all of the people that we know personally who, you know, saw this were basically, you know, right on, you know, right mm-hmm. on Grimes. And like, I, I mean, I doubt that we really know any people who would, who were really basically like, you know, Shut up and be hot, or whatever you know. Yeah, I will say this: I did learn something from this, uh, from like the discussion about it. That apparently, Oblivion is about uh, is a song she wrote about being sexually assaulted. Yeah, mm. I didn't know that either, and that was like, ah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's still an amazing song, and I love it. But oh, that's that changes things. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I just. Uh, I, I think especially throughout this 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 horrible month of April, we just kind of need to be all like, human beings, stop being awful to each other. 
I think that needs to be said. Yeah. We are the source of all that's wrong with the world. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, for, but we also have, are the source of most of what's good, too, when you think about it. True. It's, yeah. it's that terrible, terrible dichotomy. Yeah. I mean, there, there's times where it's sort of like, and I mean, this is kind of tangentially related, but I mean, it's been going around Tumblr where uh, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter or something did a thing where like, OK, uh, did you guys hear about how like Heidi Klum saved her child and her nanny from like no. being basically they were they were on a beach, you know, playing or something. And they both got caught by the riptide and, you know, very, very it's a very serious thing. I mean, they they really legitimately could have died. But like Heidi Klum went and, you know, went out there and saved, you know, the kid and the nanny. I never heard about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty hardcore. But the thing is, is that, like, mo- most articles, to be fair, most articles were, you know, Heidi Klum saves people. However, there's one that's been going around that's from, like, I think it's The Hollywood Reporter, where the headline is, and let me let me see if I can uh, look up the exact phrasing, because Reporter... Uh, to do, um, let's see. Yes, uh, Heidi Klum suffers a nip slip while rescuing son and nanny from drowning in Hawaii. Oh, uh. Jesus Christ. And the, 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 the lead is Heidi Klum suffered an unfortunate nip slip while rescuing her son and uh, nanny from drowning in Hawaii last Sunday. And it's like, that's. That's the lead is that a woman has nipples that you could see and it that that kind of shit makes me want to just oh, I guess it was anything Hollywood but yeah it's, it's at, at any rate yeah it's like it that shit like that makes me like long for when the aliens are going to finally come and blow us the fuck up <laughs> you know it's like okay we're done fuck everything <laughs> you know you know, go home. We're done. <laughs> you know, and and again, I mean, that's absurd. I mean, she saved of, you know, she saves people's lives, and that's what you focus on. Uh, and I mean, it, it's it is it's a it's a outgrowth of the whole thing that Grimes is talking about. She, she again, Heidi Klum is not reduced to what she had done, which is something that's really super hardcore, but the fact that she has tits and that we got to apparently see the tits if we happen to be there at this, that particular time, because of course that's the most important thing is the tits, the tits mm-hmm. that are involved there. And yeah, a pair of tits I, I, save those I, kids. <laughs> you know, we, it, it, you can't really simplify it more than that. And, uh, you know, this, we'll need to, at the risk of just, ne- I don't want to like just wrap this all up in a neat moral, but we are kind of running out of time today. But, you know, just Jesus Christ, people, stop and take a look and think about this, you know? Yeah, it's you just, know, how would you put, put yourself in their shoes? You know, empathy is just, you know, understand, thinking of how, how you'd feel if the same thing happened to you. Mm So, yeah, very special episode indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I very much identify as a feminist. I, I think, I, you know, I, I am a feminist 
And it, it even it even baffles me when people aren't feminist, honestly, just because it seems like such an obvious thing. Like, I, I, I am a carbon-based life form, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, yes, of course I think people should be treated equally. Yes, I think that women shouldn't be re- reduced to their, their body parts. Yeah, you know, yes, yes, I also need oxygen to live. <laughs> yeah, like, how it's, do you not think that? Yeah, I mean, this isn't hmm. rocket science. It's, yeah, I just, the the whole thing just makes me so, so mad. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, like, when I, you know, like, like I said, I don't like Grimes' music. And so normally I wouldn't actually click on a Grimes thread. But then I, I saw what it was about and, like, on MeFi I'm talking about. And it was sort of like, wait what kind of shit does she have to put up with? I mean, that's that just baffles me. And and it's like you say, I mean, there, there is a lot of like, you know, really good things in the world, but there's a lot of stuff that needs fixing. And I, I mean, I guess the best thing that we can do is call this shit out, which Grimes is doing. And I, I mean, more power to her on that. Indeed. I think we should probably wrap it up there. Um, okay. Yeah. So, where can we find each other on the internets? I'm on the very angry kittysneezes.com. <laughs> kittysneezes on Tumblr and, and Twitter and now AppNet and stuff, even though I don't know if I quite get AppNet yet, but I didn't get Tumblr at first either, and it's now that's all I do. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andrew? Uh, I am Andrew Marvin on Twitter and andrewmarvin.net and uh, Andrew Marvin on most internet services. Yep, I'm Sandspoint on the uh, sandspoint.com Sandspoint on the Twitter and the AppNet and the Last FM and whatever else you want to think of really. And of course we are crushonradio.com, Crush on Radio on Twitter, Crush on Radio uh, on the Facebooks and we're on the iTunes so please if you if we didn't uh, if, if you're agreeing with us please leave us a review if you think that we're a bunch of uh emasculated dorks uh please quiet please politely unsubscribe from this show <laughs> i was and, gonna say die in a fire but <laughs> that's and, probably and more po- more uh nice <laughs> never never slowly our, our our doorsteps again <laughs> so this has been a very special crush on radio we'll be back to the typical goofing around of bullshitting in about two weeks <laughs> All right. Great talking to you guys. Bye-bye. Rawr!